0: Hey, and welcome to our 13th class on the Christian basics, or for my Lutheran teenagers out there, confirmation. Every week we aim to bring you biblical content that will help you in your new or emerging walk with Christ. I'm Evan McClanahan. I'm the pastor down at First Lutheran in Houston. And this week we're wrapping up a short look at the prophets in the Old Testament. Joining me again is Dr. Adam Harger, professor of Old Testament at Houston Baptist University. Let's roll. All right, well, Adam Harger, Dr. Adam Harger of HBU, Houston Baptist University, is back with us to take another look at the prophets. We're going to get a little bit more detailed uh, into some of the specific prophets of the Old Testament. Of course, the, the prophets comprise just a huge chunk, really, of the, yeah. of the Old Testament. So, these are the writings, and, and it, as it is as if they are from God. I mean, they are mm-hmm. from God directly. So, we really do believe when we're reading the, the words of Isaiah or Jeremiah, uh, that we are, you know, we are hearing from God. And so in that sense, all these, no matter how old, uh, all these words are always contemporary. They're always of God. Now, we, we, we kind of ended with Elijah on the previous video. And Elijah is one of the few people in the Bible that, that doesn't die. Um, so how yeah, does he... at least it doesn't uh,
1: seem to record one.
0: Yeah, yeah. So there's a really interesting story where he is sort of handing off His mantle to Elisha. Don't confuse those two people Elijah with a J and Elisha with an SH. And uh, then he's whisked off into heaven in a chariot of fire. It's kind of a remarkable story.
1: And that's just, he's just gone.
0: Yeah. And some people will say, because of that, he does show up in the New Testament. People Mm -hmm. say about John the Baptist, for example, like, oh, is he Elijah? And John the Baptist and Elijah, do they have the same? wardrobe is that the deal you know camel's hair or something yeah i I mean
1: they're both these kind of they're out in the desert wandering around doing all the strange things yeah Yeah.
0: and john the baptist i've heard people say i'm now i'm in the new testament again but like (laughs) uh he's sort of the last prophet of the old testament i don't know if that's a fair if you yeah. think that's fair or not. I say. mean, even
1: Jesus, when he goes to his disciples, who do who do you say I am? Or how, yeah. who do people say I am? Yeah. So well, some say John the Baptist. Yeah. Some say you're Elijah. Some, yeah. you know, so they're actually expecting Elijah to return. Hmm. And in fact, if you look at, you know, modern day kind of Seder meals and things like that, there's a chair left open for Elijah. Oh, interesting. The right, so. Seder
0: is the, like the Jewish meal that they eat at Passover. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So they have a, an open chair there for Elijah. Yeah. So oh, there's this
1: expectation yeah. because Elijah kind of just goes off and doesn't come back that Maybe he's coming back.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, okay, so Elisha follows in Elijah's uh, footsteps. Uh, he has some of the, the same kind of problems and difficulties. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not quite as famous as Elijah, although I will say that, you know, when you look at the, the Bible from a big picture and people look at when miracles take place, Elijah and Elisha kind of stand out as like a period yeah. of like intense miracles, and
1: other times there there are none. So yeah, He copies a lot of the—well, not copies, but a lot mm. of his miracles mirror those of Elijah's. Mm. So not only does Elijah kind of pass off the authority, but he also is doing the same things, raising dead people, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so.
0: yeah. Well, um, let's kind of talk about some of the big-picture history-type stuff going on. We've got some huge prophets and very long books, like Jeremiah and Isaiah, for example, that are written in the context of major cataclysmic, in many cases, it's a historical event. So let's look at Jeremiah. He's kind of nicknamed the weeping prophet. Um, what's kind of going on when Jeremiah is doing his ministry, and what is he trying to affect? What is the change he's trying to, to, to get to happen?
1: Okay. So if you understand in the bigger picture, once Israel ends up in the land, of course, they've, they've given what God promised them. They've got a nation. They've got the land. Uh, they do get a kingship, even though that doesn't seem to have originally been part of the plan. Mm-hmm. You know, God does bless it and, and makes covenant with David and all these kinds of things. Uh, but if you go all the way back to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy talks about how, you know, there, there are expectations on the people. So mm-hmm. God gave them all of this as, a, as an act of grace, right? He rescued them out of Egypt, gave them this blessing, all that. But there are expectations on the relationship mm-hmm. saying, OK, well, you need to be faithful and obedient to, to God and his law. Uh, and in Deuteronomy, it talks about how if if you don't do these things, then there are there are curses that come upon you, mm. right? So if you if you follow God and His law, there's blessings. If you don't, there's curses. And so over years and years and years, uh, they continue to to end up in idolatry and all these other things. And God sends prophets to warn them, and mm-hmm. sometimes they turn back, and other times they don't. And so eventually, you hit this point where, you know, God kind of says, "All right, well now it's time for the." the curses that I promised to come upon you. And so he's not, he's not obliterating Israel. He's not giving mm-hmm. up on Israel. He, it's simply this kind of big picture punishment on them, yeah. you know, for violating the covenant, but there's always this promise of a, of a return mm-hmm. and a renewed blessing and things like that. So when we get to Jeremiah and Ezekiel and these other guys, they are, are telling the nation that this is coming. So, you know, this isn't anymore about these like little punishments you're getting like now, you're actually going to lose those things I gave mm. you. You're going to lose the land. You're going to lose your nationhood for a while. Um, yeah. so that you understand that God is you know, serious about these things. And so yeah. Jeremiah, he comes on and and he starts talking about like, look, uh, Babylon is coming. Uh, God is called. So Babylon's a, a nation that's mm-hmm. kind of North of Israel and, and the, the great empire, one of the great empires. Yeah. They don't, they don't worship Yahweh. They don't worship Israel's God. Uh, but god is going to to use babylon to punish israel and so jeremiah goes and he says look babylon is coming and what you should do if you want to live and you want to make it through this is you should surrender to babylon let mm. them take you into exile you'll lose the land you know, but you'll keep your life. And that's just think about how traumatic that is, right?
0: I mean, we yeah. are talking about, I mean, this is the land given the whole old Testament story at this point is about giving of the land and, and all of that. And now God is saying, Oh, I'm going to take it away. You know, yep. meanwhile, they were called to be faithful and they weren't. So it's kind of hard to feel sorry for them, yeah. but still, <laughs> yeah. this is, this is really It would have been stuff. very
1: traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, he gives this message and of course, Jeremiah, uh, you know, he's one of my favorites. Uh, it, it had to have been really tough. He's, he's painted as a traitor. And of course people would paint it. It was like, he's, he's saying, look, don't, don't defend mm-hmm. the nation. Mm-hmm. Don't stand up for anything. Just give up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he looks like a traitor and he does get in, he gets thrown in a well, uh, somebody rescues him out of it, but he's in prison and it, just all these things happen yeah. to him. And he's basically just trying to tell the people, uh, there, there are a few times where these big prophets they are calling for repentance, but more often than not, it's, it's them saying, "Look, this punishment is coming," mm-hmm. but know that. And so, one of uh, you've probably heard this one: Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. People say, "For I know the plans uh-huh. I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans right. to prosper you and not to harm you." Um, it's it's not really a so much a verse about just like individual plans for God in my life. Although there's not, I mean, if that gives you hope, great. Uh, but really, it's a it's about God saying, "Like, look, this stuff is coming, but I have a future plan for you." Uh, okay, and so that's why a lot of these prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel and others we we have their writings is because after the people go into exile when they come out they now have these oracles to reflect on oh, okay and so they can look at Jeremiah they can look at Ezekiel and they say ah well now we understand why all this happened we understand why we've been restored and so it's this call to be faithful mm. in the in the restoration there's Definitely a lot that could be said there, right?
0: About our own Christian walk and how we, you know, right. Paul talks about how we see through a mirror dimly, and I don't know if it's an exact equivocation, but the idea is that we're, we're going through life without the full knowledge of things. We often, so anyway, so when we talk about how horrible things are and why they are that way, it a word from a prophet that says, hang on, hang on, God God will use this thing and, and God yes. will God will redeem this thing. That would be a good word. Now, Jeremiah is really harsh on some of the 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 temple priests, as I recall, yeah. and there are these there are other prophets going around. That's one thing people should understand is that like when you read the Old Testament, like it will talk about other prophets.
1: Oh, there's probably hundreds of them. Yeah, just okay. running around. Okay, it's a it's a an office. That, yeah, you know, and there's professional prophets that work in the court and in the temple, and then there's the the random prophet that God calls. So Amos, for instance, was just a shepherd. Ah. I mean, he wasn't he, he shepherded sheep and trimmed trees and stuff, and God calls yeah. him to go be a prophet. Yeah, uh, so prophets could be of all different uh, walks of life and things like that. But he is, Jeremiah is very hard on the temple priests because the, well, first of all, he he does come from a a semi-priestly line. So he's kind of got some knowledge of it, but also in his mind, they should know better, Mm. right? So these are the people that are supposed to be the leaders. Mm -hmm. They're supposed to be keeping Israel pure and things like that. And, and instead these other prophets, uh, so he has this big famous showdown with a guy named Hananiah mm. who utters this false prophecy from God. And, um, so there's this, this showdown before the King where Jeremiah just says, look, you're, you're wrong. Yeah. Um, and so it, imagine you're the king in the moment. You've got to you've got to figure out who to listen to like that. I mean, that would be a tough job. But yeah, Jeremiah is really tough on them because they, yeah, they, they really should, should know, know better. better. Yeah. And there are these prophets
0: going around. There's kind of a famous line a little bit in Jeremy, Jeremiah where it says, peace, peace, where you have no peace. In other words, there's these prophets going around saying, no, no, Jeremiah's wrong. Everything's gonna be fine. Everything's yeah. gonna be fine.
1: You know, and We've Jeremiah got the temple saying, here. God's gonna God's yeah. gonna keep Babylon away from us. Yeah. You know, why would God give up his city? Yeah. Jerusalem.
0: And so Jeremiah's trying to get them to believe that no, no, no. They're saying peace, but you won't have any peace. Yeah. yeah. Isaiah is another huge name in the in the yes. uh, Old Testament. So um, what's kind of going on historically now? I know that generally Isaiah will cover many decades and mm-hmm. there's debate about if there are actually three authors of Isaiah and whatever. Yeah. I'm not yeah, yeah, really yeah. interested in that, but we'll do that another time. There you go. Um, but it, it does cover many, many years that, yes. that is for sure. So what are kind of the major events going on and what are some of the, the things Isaiah is maybe best known for?
1: Isaiah is, so he's speaking a, a couple of centuries before Jeremiah actually, yeah. Uh, when the so the nation after they so you get you've got uh, Saul and then David and then Solomon. But after Solomon, the nation actually splits and okay. you've got the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Southern kingdom has Jerusalem and Judah. Uh, but the northern kingdom. Uh, Isaiah is is speaking during that time uh, in the eighth century when Assyria. Mm-hmm. So this is before the the rise of Babylon. Assyria is the main uh, player in the world, and they're they're pretty pretty bad people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Isaiah is is kind of speaking to Israel at that time, but as you said, he's also speaking to future times. So he's also mm-hmm. speaking uh, at one point about the later, so like Jeremiah's time, and then even after the return. Mm. And uh, so. On the one hand, Isaiah is talking about the, the coming judgment on the northern kingdom, that God is going to use Assyria this time to come judge the northern kingdom. Mm. There's also um, a point where... So Isaiah interacts with a king of the south named Hezekiah, and Hezekiah is one of the few good kings. And so on account of... Or, or for Hezekiah's sake, God doesn't allow Assyria to judge the southern kingdom. So... Isaiah initially is all about kind of the judgment under or in the eighth century under the Assyrians, but he also starts looking forward. And this is what I was talking about earlier, where there are times, I guess it was in the first video. Um, there are times that the, that the prophets do start to look big picture. Mm. Uh, and So even though he's talking about his, his immediate situation, he starts to look ahead at, at God's bigger plan in history. Mm. And uh, this is where we get, uh, for instance, a lot of the passages that we read around Christmas time and things mm-hmm. like that, uh, or or Easter about, uh, for instance, one in there's there's a few places it shows up in the 40s and the 50s chapters 40s and mm-hmm. 50s uh, called the suffering servant, mm-hmm. and it's this interesting person that Isaiah kind of envisions, and he sees God gives him this vision of this servant, uh, and th- this servant is someone who represents Israel uh at the same time is kind of there to redeem Israel mm-hmm. and interestingly ends up dying you know for the sake of Israel this that pierce for our transgressions all these kinds of things and then is alive again in this sort of victorious manner mm-hmm. and there have been some who've tried to identify this person with somebody that Isaiah may have been thinking about in history or yeah. trying to identify the suffering servant as Israel itself. Yeah. Uh, but none of these have really worked out. It yeah. just seems that he's envisioning this a person. person, And yeah. this is where a lot of this not, idea of like the Messiah emotion. comes out, uh-huh. right? That this is somebody who's going to come in the future, who's going to rescue Israel. Yeah. 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 I would encourage anyone to just
0: read Isaiah 53. I mean, just, yeah. just read Isaiah 53. We read it every Good Friday. It's, it's yeah. like the first thing we do is read. It might even go into Isaiah 52 a little bit. But anyway, that, that this whole suffering servant portion, it's, it's really quite powerful. So read Isaiah 53. I might even <laughs> scroll some of the wording as we, you know, I might overlay it on what we're doing. Um, so, okay, so Isaiah look, kind of looks big picture then mm-hmm. and 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 that's where we get the name Emmanuel is. Yeah, in Isaiah seven. for example, God it just with means us. God with us. Uh huh. And all these other beautiful titles that every time they're said, I hear of like Handel's Messiah going yeah. on in the background, like right? wonderful and, God,
1: pr- mighty Counselor, yeah, or, or, or mighty God, God, wonderful God, yeah, uh huh,
0: Prince, Prince of Peace, Prince is, of Peace, is that one, yeah. yeah. And
1: so these are all titles
0: that ultimately we would attribute to Christ, but written mm-hmm. by Isaiah many many hundreds of years before. Um, so there are uh, twelve prophets that are kind of cobbled together a little bit called the Minor Prophets, yes. and and we won't go through each one. Um, but maybe kind of talk about some of your favorite prophets that are, maybe only have a few chapters, right? Or okay. maybe four to 10 chapters in a book. For example, we talked earlier about Amos. You mentioned that he was a shepherd. Yeah. yeah. Tree trimmer, you said. Yes, tree okay. trimmer and a shepherd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was kind of his, his message? Okay. Why did God need to get him from the hinterlands to,
1: yeah. you know? Well, I will note real quick, Major and Minor Prophets, just because that confuses some people, uh, it doesn't have anything to do with like authority or anything like that, as if like major is more important. Uh, It really just has something more to do with kind of their book size. So as you Uh, said, these Minor Prophets are just very short books. Uh, And so very early on, because they use scrolls, they didn't use books at that period. Uh, These Minor Prophets often were written on the same scroll. Uh, Uh, So that's why we have kind of 12. Anyway. Uh, just in case anybody's wondering no, about no, that. It's, uh, that's important. so yeah, there's some, there's some really great minor prophets that I think sometimes, uh, don't, don't get enough emphasis. So Amos is a great prophet. He, he's speaking at the time of Isaiah. So mm-hmm. during that eighth century, Assyrian big power judging the North. And he's actually, he's in the South, but God comes to him and he's, he's a shepherd uh, and a tree trimmer. And God says, I want you to go up to the North and I want you to go prophesy against them. Which is already—I mean, that's that's a tough call. So you're mm-hmm. you're wandering into a place that might ar- already be a little bit hostile to you, and you're going to go tell them about all the things that they're doing wrong. Yeah, and that's yeah. what exactly what Amos does. And, yeah, and one of Amos's big things. Um, so we might we might use the term social justice, which does and doesn't carry. I mean, it, right now that term carries all kinds yeah. of implications. But we are in favor of. Justice. Yes, we are very much in favor of social justice, and believe it or not, all the prophets were too. Yeah, Uh, yeah. and so Amos is is one who was really big into this, and and one of his main things is that uh, you can't really you can't really separate faith from practice. Mm -hmm. I mean, oftentimes as Christians, we get so wrapped up in whether salvation involves works or not that we forget that okay, well, even if salvation is by faith, once you're a Christian, you actually have to live right. Uh, right. and, and believe it or not, there are expectations for us. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, even though Amos isn't speaking to Christians necessarily, he's speaking to God's people and says like, look, God actually has expectations. Yeah. Uh, and so he goes in and he starts pointing out that, look, you're, you're oppressing the poor, mm. um, you're stealing land from people. You're so you um, have like
0: these amazing sacrifices in the temple. Oh yeah. And, you know, he talks about how the smell of the burning flesh is not pleasing to God. Right. Yeah. You're like, doing the rituals. You know, yeah.
1: Yeah. But you're nullifying the the rituals by failing to live the life that God called okay. you. Because remember a lot of those rituals were about purifying you when you sin. Right. And so God says, like, look You're missing the point. You you're know? missing the point. Yeah. I d I don't want the I don't want the sin offering. I want people who don't sin. Right. 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 Um, yeah, that's the goal. You know, yeah. the offering is to, re- you know, you should re- like reflect on your nature and then like repent, you yeah. know, constantly change. So idolatry yeah. is probably the biggest issue that, that the prophets have. Um, uh, yeah. but I would say that a close second is things like oppression of the poor, mm. um, failure to, to keep justice in the courts and things like that. I mean, that's a, because they don't see a, a difference between those two things. Yes. Yeah. Like a phrase
0: you'll hear in the Old Testament is is just weights and measures. Right. Yeah. And that
1: would speak to like literally scales, not you know, not having your thumb on the scales. Yeah, you're as not cheating were, right? people. Right. Either yeah. whether it's in the marketplace or in the courtroom. Yeah. Right? You are yeah. you're you have a just society. Yeah. Now Hosea is an interesting prophet. Oh, man. And some of the
0: toughest language i think you might hear in the old testament that might that might be an exaggeration but i I think it's no, it's, it's, it's pretty it, tough it, it,
1: it's it's one of those it's like it makes you uncomfortable to read a little between bit between that so. and ezekiel i think hosea yeah. and ezekiel have some of the more uncomfortable language. yeah so tell us about hosea so hosea is a great one to bring up because not only were prophets often asked to i mean their their main job was to speak for god mm-hmm. of course but Oftentimes, the way that they they got their message across was that God would ask them to perform things like sign acts, where mm. they were they were acting something out, mm. or maybe their life itself was supposed to be a message to those around them. So, for instance, Jeremiah was not allowed to marry, mm-hmm. uh, but interestingly enough, with Hosea, he's told that it that the woman he's going to marry is going to cheat on him, mm. uh, and not just like one time, but she's going to be like running around town. Wow. Um, but he's told Ouch. to marry her anyway. Yeah. And uh, and he he loves her. Her name's Gomer. And, and you know, there's not a sense in which he's just like commanded to do this. And so he's like, okay, fine, I'll marry her. But yeah. there's a real sense in the book that he loves Gomer, but Gomer just keeps running around with all these other men. Yeah. And then Hosea's message, so his life itself becomes a message to, look, God loved Israel, right? Mm-hmm. He, he loved them. They were his... His spouse, his special Mm. possession, but they kept running around and cheating on him, right, with other gods and with all the idolatry problem. Yeah, and so there's a sense in which the prophet's own life just becomes this example Mm. of, you know, what God wants to teach the people. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, There are a couple that are paired, and we're kind of getting to the end of the Old Testament, and we're just about out of time. So, we'll we'll sort of end with this, but um, Ezra and, and Nehemiah. Memory serves. They, they, they can almost be read together. I think they were writing at the yeah, same time. Yeah, they were time. kept together. Okay. Yeah. We, okay. We
1: often just say Ezra and Nehemiah, like oh, as okay. if they're just okay. a. I mean, they are they two separate been on books, one scroll but they were like one. They were treated kind of as. Okay. Gotcha. And they're really just about the the return from exile. Yeah. So, as we mentioned, you know, God said, look, you're going to go into exile for a while. You're going to get carried off to Babylon and all mm-hmm. these other places, uh, but I'm not done with you. I will bring you back to the land. I will bless you, those kinds of things. And so eventually, God. Uh, God does bring them back mm-hmm. and they get the land. Uh, and they, you know, Ezra Nehemiah tells us about this story uh, mm-hmm. where they they get back in and they they realize why they went into exile in the first place, because this is what the prophets told them. They, mm-hmm. You were unfaithful. It wasn't that these other gods were more powerful or that Babylon was more powerful. It's actually because God handed you over to them. Yeah. Yeah. And so when they get back in the land, they think, all right, well, we, we've got to correct those old mistakes. Yeah. And so we see in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, they decide, okay, well, we want to rebuild Jerusalem. We want to rebuild the temple. So they go to put up a wall and, and there's lots of little stories in there, but they encounter the the people who are in the land uh, when they come back, uh-huh. which are probably actually related to them because when they get carried off in exile, Babylon left some people there to care mm-hmm. for the land and all those kinds of things. So they get the, you know, these people come up and they say, hey, we want to we want to help you rebuild. And the exiles who return, they say, well, no, we're, we're trying to maintain our purity, so you can't help us. yeah And so they immediately, like, exclude. It. And what's interesting is God doesn't tell them to do that, mm. but, you know, they, they want to be faithful to God. And yeah. then they, there's this weird story about how uh, they throw out all of their foreign wives. So wow. some of the people had intermarried while they were in yeah. Babylon, and so they... They decide, okay, well, we, we got to get pure again, so let's yeah. get rid of all them. And God never actually tells them to do that. Hmm. And so there's this, they they finally, they rebuild the temple, which is supposed to be, which is the place where God's presence dwells. And in Ezekiel, we saw the presence leave the temple. Uh-huh. And what's fascinating is the presence of God doesn't return to the temple. Oh, wow. Uh, that hmm. they they build the temple, and it says that the elders who saw the first temple, they look at the new one and they weep. Because um, it's just not what it used not, to be. It's like you can't go home again almost. You can't, but, yeah. yeah. And
0: so, so they still have the sacrifices. They still have the law. They're still waiting for Messiah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't want to overemphasize that. But, I mean, they, they're they still being obedient. And yeah. But it's kind of like a dryness now. Like Yeah, there's the a life sense in not- which
1: the Old Testament story just ends on this down note, right? Yeah. Where they haven't fully returned, right? They mm-hmm. They do get the land, and they kind of have a nationhood, but they're... They're still under the control of the Persians. Yeah. They don't have a, their Davidic king back. Yeah. And so it's just this kind of, it's this note of expectation in the history yeah. where they're looking for that time. Yeah. And there is acknowledged a drought
0: of, of prophecy, right? So mm-hmm. from the last book of the Old Testament to the first book of the, well, the events of Christ, not the when it was written per se, but it, it's about 400 years, right? Where sort of Israel says, yes, there hasn't been a word from God. We all sort of agree on that, right?
1: Yeah. They begin to return to the land in the late part of the sixth century. So like, I think 539 Cyrus, Persia comes in and releases them from Babylon. And then a little bit after that, they come back to the land. Uh, And so it's in that kind of fifth century that they're doing the rebuilding and things. So there's, there's several hundred years where they're back in the land. And this is what we call the second temple period where there's actually a lot of writing and things going on. Mm-hmm. These are, these aren't books that made it into the scripture, but they're mm-hmm. oftentimes they're writing commentaries on scripture mm-hmm. and things like that. This is what we call the dead sea script. Well, it's not what we call the dead sea. Scrolls. if you've yeah. heard of the dead sea scrolls, yeah. uh very famous, fragments and things are found. That's all from this kind of period.
0: Oh, okay. Interesting.
1: Yeah. So yeah, so they
0: really did want to get it right this time. There is kind of a sense. Yeah. In, and that's, you have these very strict groups that arise out of this time, like the Pharisees, like Pharisees and Sadducees. Sadducees, right? Because they... They, they sort of aren't in the Old Testament, so why do they just pop up in the New? It's because there are groups of people very committed to sort of getting it right. But we've gone over our our time, which is <laughs> always a good thing. Uh, so much to cover. And really, this is just an introduction. Very, very, very... Th- I mean, you teach yeah, yeah. whole semesters on the prophets, right? So yeah, yeah. I this just is got done th- teaching one. Yeah. This is not even the tip of the iceberg, right? It's like <laughs> one piece of ice at the very top. So we we really do want to encourage you to continue and do Bible study and learn Absolutely. more about the prophets. But hopefully some of these names are... A little more familiar to you, and the Bible's a little less intimidating, um, and you kind of have some of the big picture. So, Adam, thanks for stopping in. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, and we'll talk to you guys later. Well, thanks for joining us for this two-part look at the prophets in the Old Testament. Thanks especially to Dr. Adam Harger again of HBU. He had to come in twice to do that because my computer glitched the first time that we recorded something on the prophets. So, thanks especially to him for doing that. We're going to be looking at the Kings next. Uh, that's a lot, of, a lot of the Old Testament content is about the story of the kings of Israel. So Dr. Chad Bird of 1517 is joining me to do that, so that should be great. Until then, remember you can email me with any questions at christianbasicsclass@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Go to flhouston.org for all the worksheets, and of course, subscribe to this channel. Until then, take care.